Cheers. Welcome to this edition of Road Trippin' with RJ and Channing. I'm your host, Allie Clifton. Uh, we're going to begin this episode. We're not even going to take a time out. We're going to begin this episode right now to talk about our partners over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. The NBA playoffs, we all know, they are in full swing, and you can get some extra skin in the game with Prize Picks. All first time users that deposit and use the promo code Road Trippin' will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That means if you deposit $100 using your sign up code, our sign up code, Road Trippin', Prize Picks will give you what, Channing? $100 back. Yeah! Sign up with our code and deposit 50 bucks. <laughs> Prize Picks will give you. back. How does it work? Well, you pick between two and six players and select whether they will score more or less than their prize picks projections. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, UFC, PGA, college football, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, and much, much more. Rich, what do you got for us? Let's get into my prize picks for Saturday game three of the Lakers Warriors as the series shifts back to Los Angeles. The ultimate game three is tied 1-1. For our first pick, we're going to go back to the well. After a winning pick the other night and taking Steph Curry to get less than 42.5 combined points, rebounds, and assists, we think this number has been inflated and we'll keep playing it here as Steph has gone well under this number in the first two games against the Lakers. For our second pick you on just Saturday. jinxed us. Thanks. I know, yes. I know. Listen, I get it. For our second pick on Saturday, we're taking LeBron James to grab more than nine and a half rebounds because he's old and that's all no we do right now. Listen, he's going to, we're saying he's taking grabbing more. They need help on the glass. Yeah. The numbers are on our side here. Braun has had nine or more boards in six of his eight playoff games, Channing. What the fuck do you mean, no way? Okay. What, what, what do you mean, no way? <laughs> so to recap, our picks for Saturday, these are both for game three between Lakers and Warriors. Our Steph to get less than 42 and a half combined points, rebounds, and assists, and LeBron to grab more than nine and a half rebounds because he's done that in six of his last eight games. And we are going to dive into all of that in just one moment. But first, at Prize Picks, you aren't competing against any other people. It's just you versus the projections available for that day's games. Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. You just saw how easy it was for Rich to do his. Prize Picks is safe and easy, fast, and offers fast withdrawals. Download Prize Picks today and play daily fantasy sports with the Road Trippin' crew. Make sure to use the promo code Road Trippin' when you sign up. You don't think that Braun can get more than nine and a half rebounds? Well, he's done it's it not six that and I half. don't think he can. I just don't think he will next game. Even though he's done it six of the last eight, yeah, okay, that's fair. We so can, you're just you're just going to argue that point because you don't want to back down because I love you and know you because you, what you really want to say is like, damn, he's done it six of the last eight. I know that's what you want to say. I know it's what you want to say. No, this is not at all what I want to say. I'm, I don't think he's going to do it. Based I want off of, thoughts on, I think Anthony Davis and the rest of them are going to. I think they're going to make him shoot more, which doesn't allow him to get rebounds because when he shoots, that's not Anthony Davis shooting. And he hasn't been shooting well. So you take your pick your poison. You go if if LeBron is shooting, the other guys aren't shooting. So you if LeBron is a facilitator, everyone else plays better. Game one to game two. How are you guys? This is so hard for me. I think I'm just I, I say it all the time. I, I just it's really hard to be in the fight against the Warriors. <laughs> How are you guys? Um digesting this series so far. I know it's still early. Uh, I think, I think it's a chess match, right? And I think Steve Kerr's everyone always under underestimates what he can do, but like starting Jermichael green is great. Like who would have thought, right? You saw Maurice. And he like goes off for like a career game. Well, because what is he doing? He just like, yo, he's playing with house money. 
start. Mm-hmm. Like, look what happened when Richard started. When you add that injection of energy, <laughs> when Richard st- Richard started in the finals, won you guys a game. Yeah, yeah, won us a game because it's different. I don't know if you're going to do that two games in a row. I did great. If we wouldn't have blown game four, I would have kept starting. But they didn't want to keep starting me. And I get Kevin back in there and keep our guy locked in. That's so how do you how do you what are the adjustments you see Darwin making in game three? To be honest, you gotta we have to force feed AD again, like force feed the shit out of him. And I and this is honest truth, Bron, thank you. Be ready. This ain't your series. Like mm-hmm. that dude getting 25, 30 shots and opportunities close to the rim. To me, that's what it is. You have to attack the rim, and that takes a lot of energy. Continue to attack the rim. Get in foul trouble. Slow the pace of the game down, right? It's the only way to combat all those threes. They can't go on runs if they're taking it out of the hoop. So for me, attack the rim, attack the rim, attack the rim. And get, you have to, you take wide open threes, but you don't settle for threes. But, and the reason why you, like, why your offense is a part of your defense is the more free throws that you're shooting, the more your defense can get set in the Warriors. Transition with the Warriors, they're the greatest transition team in the history of the game because of the players that they have. It's disgusting. It's fucking nightmarish. So, so when you look at it from that standpoint, you, 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 he's got to be aggressive to slow the Warriors down. Right, like every jump shot, like they were to oh, when with Draymond as the nearest defender, it's like Draymond just gave a normal contest, and I like I, that's why I, I Draymond's a very good defender. We know who he is, but it's like some of these numbers are like oh, he was one for four. It's like, but you go back and watch it, it's like he shot a fifteen footer. He's six foot eleven with a seven foot wingspan. Draymond's six foot five. He Draymond's not affecting his shot, right? Draymond's not affecting his shot. It's like. Is like affecting Kevin Durant's shot. No, Anthony Davis just has to knock down those shots. Now he does become Anthony Davis does become more effective the closer he is to the rim. Obviously, your percentages go up. But when you watch them play, and you're just like, dude, you got to get to the free throw line double digit times. You yeah. got to. And as a player in the prime of my career that was going to the free throw line double digit times over the course of uh, of a season. That takes a lot on your body. Now it's fun because that's how I played. I wasn't as skilled as him. I was just a, a, you know, Vince Carter used to call me a crash test dummy because I would just throw my body into people all game long and, you know, just do it that way. But that's the only way for them to be successful, right? Because if they can do that, one, you can have a potential to get them in foul trouble. Two, you have a potential for more offensive rebounds that can lead to buckets, second chance points that can lead to three-point shots. And, And so your offense has to be the key part. If Anthony Davis does that and can slow down the Warriors, but you got to play much better defense. You got to, like, like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, those guys, they had a good game one, and the Lakers still won. That was very encouraging for Lakers. It's like, look, all three of them hit six threes, and we still won the game. But that third, that second quarter where they just let it, let it go, you that's the thing. They're, the Warriors are probably the only team that if you lose focus for 90 seconds, for two minutes, the game can be blown wide open. They are the only team that I have ever watched collectively that if you lose focus for two minutes, legitimately two minutes of game time, it can be a 12-0 run. And now you're not going to make as many threes as them. So they're going to be shooting threes to your two. So you're coming back from a deficit 
And on top of it, they don't miss very often. So now it's like, it's, you got to keep them down. If you're trying to claw back, it's just too tough. That was the biggest key. Braun echoed those sentiments to the team before the series even began. He said it to the media, of course. So it's basically like that game one defense has to be sustained for a potential seven games when this series is going every other day. Mm. Um, Really quick before we move off, just because I want to get to the other series as well. Channing, how much did your life change? How much did your phone go crazy with your comment on Tyrese Halliburton, which great sport, Tyrese. Uh, no, no, he's a good dude. Also, he's super Hilarious. smart to be so young. Uh, it, I literally had to turn off social media. I don't know what, maybe it's my phone's old, but like I turned on Twitter and it would just shut off. It, it was so crazy. It wasn't like people talking to me, but when you, it was on like a bunch of different things, obviously like clutch sports, uh, like bleach report, T- TNT, NBA TV, stuff like that. So, so people are talking to each other and that's the thing, which I like is that there was no clear-cut answer, right? He shot the shot. And to me, obviously, I had the reaction, but I've watched – I think Tim Legler broke it down the, the best of why that's not a good shot. But to me, my biggest thing is Vanderbilt was the guy who double-teamed and ran from the double-team to sort of contest that three. There was more than enough time for him to take one dribble left, which he likes to do, get at least three feet closer in rhythm and shoot that shot and still have enough time. 10 seconds to go and you heave that up when literally Braun is underneath the three, you taking a dribble and shooting it, Vanderbilt's not getting that. If you do that with energy and focus, that's my problem. And with 10 seconds to go, gives you a chance to rebound the ball. But to heave it as far out as that was, was not, was not the move. This is my thing. Let me tell you my thing. In the postseason, it's best shot possible. And that was not the best shot possible. That's all it is. That's all it is. Jordan Poole had hit six damn threes. Totally. That's what I'm saying. He had hit six threes. That was deep. There was 10 seconds ago. You got Steph Curry on the floor. I get it. So it's like, was it a bad shot? No one's, I, I don't think it's a bad shot because that's Jordan Poole. And he's one of those guys. But is that the best shot possible at the time? No, it was not. That's, un- that, that is, I like Steve Kerr was like, hey, we're, we're fine with that shot. Steph Kerr was like, hey, our, our staff was like, hey, we believe in him, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not like he was two they for have eight. To say that. I know that they yeah. have to say it, but part of them saying it, part of them saying it, and I know Steve is going to echo things privately and say, hey, look, in these moments, which you're going to be in them again, this is where your brain has to go. And it's still a learning lesson. He's still in what is fourth year, fifth year, fourth year? Jordan Poole, so it's his fourth year. So it's still a learning lesson. Yeah. So that's my only thing. It it wasn't a bad shot, but it wasn't the best shot that they could have gotten. So some people will equate that to being a bad shot, but that's not. They're two different things. A bad shot no. versus best, like not being the best shot that they could have gotten. So that's where I live. Correct. He knows that. And I'm not mad that Jordan Poole shot it. Yeah. I've never said that. I'm if not Clay, mad if, that Jordan Poole shot, shot that. If Clay would have shot that, would anybody have said anything? Clay, people no. are be like, yo, that was deep, but ain't nobody going to question Clay. Ain't nobody questioning Clay. Clay. Clay, is, Clay and Steph are different than Jordan Poole. No offense. Agreed. To me. Agreed. But, Agreed. But I don't mind that Jordan Poole had the ball. I think yeah. that was almost best case scenario based on who was hot at the time. The way he caught it, how you have to square back up from that distance as a shooter without that dribble to go, right, in the sense of urgency – from them jogging up the floor, there's spacing. 
it, it was just, it's a lot. I think too, the, the difference, what you guys are both saying as well is that they can sit there and say they're fine with the shot, but it, that's different than saying that was the shot, right? Or to your yeah. point, when it comes to the postseason, it's not about being fine with the shot. It's about what's the best shot. You guys know there the is Pat- a difference. Yeah, so you, you know, you know the Patrick Ewing where he was like coaching. He's like, what kind of shot is that? Do you practice that shot? Do you, do, is oh, that the so shot funny. you take? So now, funny. this was funny. Jordan Poole does take those shots. Jordan Poole does yeah, make totally. those shots. Jordan Poole has hit those shots pretty much as for the last couple of years. Like we know him as that guy, but he is still the third splash brother. So if you had a chance between Steph, then Clay, then him. And truth be told, because Steph normally has the ball in his hands, if you're swinging for a catch and shoot, I, I try, everyone argues with me. I put Clay on the same level on a catch and shoot as Steph. Ball handling is no question. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, no okay. question. Ball handling is no question. It's the, off the dribble, it's Steph, right? Catch and shoot, Steph and Clay are fucking like even because Steph doesn't get as many catch and shoots, right? Yeah. But like that shot, I'm okay with either of those two shooting it. He's just the third. There's no criticism. He moves on. He might hit that same shot today. Or tomorrow. Good conversation. All right, yeah. moving on to the East. The Heat, they're hurt again. Obviously, Jimmy Butler misses game two. He's listed as questionable, sitting out Tuesday's close game two loss to the Knicks. Uh, heading into game three, which is sad. Is that Saturday? Is that Yeah, tonight? Saturday. Saturday. So that is five days off for Butler, three days off between games. Will uh, the Love Knicks it. steal home court back? No. 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 I think the Knicks got hot. They're riding off the their uh, their fan base. It's going to be interesting. I don't think it'll be an easy game. I don't think the Knicks win this. I think the Heat are feeling pretty good about their situation. I think they've been shooting okay. I think they're still going to continue to shoot pretty good. I just want. I just think that you're expecting a lot out of RJ Barrett. He's been playing out of his mind lately. So if he continues playing that way, if Julius Randle stays hot, then the Knicks win. But I don't know if they do that in Miami. Um, I think I think the chances of this series going back to New York being tied two two is extremely high. Like like and again, we can go, oh game, okay, what's gonna happen in game three? What's gonna happen in game four? I was like, I don't know. But if I had to guess how would this series show back up for game five in New York, I would yeah. say it shows up tied. Now I don't know how well, it's gonna go back. Seven. This series going seven. I still, I think the Knicks are the better team, right? Especially with no Tyre Hero, you're needing guys that have not shot the ball the way they have all season long to maintain this all series long. So Martin, uh, Vincent, um, Struess, Struess, and those guys can all score. Like all of these guys, all of these. But it's like it's what they're being asked to do now is different. If Tyler Hero was still there, then what they're being asked of is within their role, so they could excel in their role. But now they are being asked to do more than their role, and that becomes a little bit more difficult to sustain that for a longer period of time. So that's why they beat the Bucks. They shot the ball better than they had all year long for a five-game stretch, and so you know. There, there is tough to do that. And so they shot the ball so well, it happens. But I think it's going to end up being 2-2. I think the Knicks end up winning this series. I think they can win it in six or seven. Ooh. But I, I do. If the Knicks win in seven, I would not be surprised. 
I think the Heat will win in seven. But if the Knicks win, I'm not Knicks, mad, nor Knicks, am I surprised. Knicks, I think Knicks are winning this series. Brunson's healthy. Six? Yeah, Brun. I think six or seven. I think. I think. Let's say that. Let's say they go back in game five. Let's say they go back tied, tied two, two. Game five. Yeah. Knicks win a tough one. Then the Knicks have a chance to close it out in Miami. Right. Think about Kyle Lowry, right. who's been on a bum knee all year long, thirty nine thousand years old, and he's fighting. He's playing great. Kyle's playing great, but it's just like you know. Obviously, he's been dealing with this stuff all year. So right. can he You're sustain that? Can he sustain that? Can yeah. he sustain that? I hope for him he can. But it's just like history tells us that when players are dealing with these things, the longer the series goes, the more physical it gets, the more minutes it adds, eventually you have an off day. So if Kyle Lowry has an 0 for 6 day in game five, that might that might that could that could be the end for Miami. He can't he he's not in a position to have an off day. Yeah. I can't I can't really argue. And Bam, I just I've give I've given up on thinking that Bam is gonna turn into that is that flower is going to bloom when I just think the flower is what the flower is. A very right? good, a very good player. Very good. All-star player. But I just don't think he's, he should be a third best player. And, he, and that's and just he, the and, truth. And he could be and on a given a night. really good. Right? And he could be on a given night if Tyler Hero is playing. Totally. If, but that's what Lowry, I'm saying, but if Kyle Lowry is healthy, then Bam could fall into your second or third best player on any given night. And that's But he's he, not, he's not shown he could be your best player on any given night. No, that's I what's agree. crazy. That's what they need. That's why, like, I'm arguing myself of why I think the Heat would lose. And, like the other night, no Jimmy. You're like, bam, where you at? Like, you're the guy who, and it's do, like everyone you, else takes over. Do you know what's crazy? Do you know what's crazy? So Lamar Odom, right? Lamar Odom average. I like, and I remember this story. Lamar Odom was like, you know, 15, 16 points a game. And they were like, dude, if you if you can do this, like, you're so versatile, you can be an all star. And and this coach told me he was like, listen. If we call plays for Lamar, right, five plays a half, if we call plays for him, he'll end the game with 17 and nine and five. If we do not call any plays for Lamar, he will end the game with 17, nine and five. There are some guys that just are what they are. There's some guys, if you don't call plays for them, like if you don't call plays for them, there's some guys that can kind of disappear. There's some kind of guys that you, if you call plays for them, they don't play well. They just play through the system. That's why Jimmy Butler is so amazing. Jimmy Butler, Steph Curry, these guys are as dangerous off the ball with their cutting, their movement, their offensive rebound. These guys are solely. Braun, off the ball, yeah, he's just okay. He's just okay, right, for an elite for who he is. Steph off the ball is great. J- Jimmy Butler off the ball is great. There are certain guys like that. And I think Bam is one of those guys that if you tried to give him the ball for 20 touches on the block, 10 each half, I don't think his numbers in production all of a sudden skyrocket. I think he right. is who he is. He's a very, very good two-way player, defensive player of the year candidate every year. He's great. But if they start force-feeding him, I don't think his numbers go up to 25 every night, even if they gave him 10 touches. If he went to fucking Charlotte and they gave him 10 touches every single night, I think Bam is still Bam. Calling all road trippers. We love a good road trip on this podcast, right? See what we did there? Well, as the weather gets good and big plans get made, make sure that you're driving to your destination on a great set of tires from our friends over at Discount Tire. Discount Tire is making your one-stop shop, not only for tires and tire maintenance, but also custom wheels and accessories, like a new pair of windshield wiper blades. America has trusted Discount Tire for over 60 years, and with over 1,100 locations across 38 states, 
there's sure to be one near you. Their industry-leading selection offers more than 70 brands of tires and more than 90 wheel brands. It's wild. And now you can visit their website, discounttire.com, to locate a store, schedule an appointment, search for top brands, and even select and pay for your tires. Head over to discounttire.com today to register for email discounts and access the latest in tire safety tips. You'll also find helpful information about the maintenance schedule for your specific make and model of vehicle. Want to cut the line? We've got you covered there too, road trippers. Wait times, they're 30% shorter when you buy and book online at discounttire.com. What are you waiting for? Head to your local Discount Tire or discounttire.com today and let's get you taken care of. All right, so Rich steps aside because he has to get ready for game three, Phoenix Nuggets. But Channing, there were a couple of things that um, outside of the playoffs have happened um, as of late in the NBA. I want to get your thoughts before we wrap up this episode. I want to start with... um, Everything surrounding Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies and get your opinion on this. I think from the outside, there's a lot of conflicting thoughts. Um, just to kind of recap, the Grizzlies were apparently fed up with Dylan Brooks, his act, um, as well as Shams of The Athletic reported the team told Brooks he will not be brought back, quote, under any circumstances, which seemed a bit like a lot. Um, and this was right after the Grizzlies were eliminated, obviously, from a player's perspective. Yeah. is where I'm coming to you with this. What do you think really went down uh, behind the scenes? And while he is a great defender and, and what he can bring to a squad, should teams be cautious when signing Dylan based off of kind of what you saw this season? Well, let me just say this. Do you playoffs? think the Grizzlies have a good culture? No. Okay, so nope. you put that with a bad culture. What do you, what do you expect? And then you blame... You blame. I'm not saying they blame him, but when you're, when you're, how am I gonna, how am I gonna word this? Your antics have to equate to wins or making people mm-hmm. better, right? Yeah. So no matter what Draymond Green's antics are, we'll say this a lot. His ability to make his team better is there is such a gap between that it's ridiculous. Yep. Such a, so ridiculous. Fair. His motor is everything to them. Dylan Brooks is a liability in offense. He's, he, I hate when people say, oh, he plays hard. Like, what the fuck? Like, oh, he it's does the minimum. It's your job to play yeah, hard. <laughs> he's, he plays defense. Well, he's not very good at offense and he wants to play basketball. So he picked that or that's what he's good at. So to be good on defense, you have to play hard. Especially if you're not good at offense. So for me, I think is there still room for Dylan Brooks to grow and be good? And do I I appreciate that attitude, right? Yep. Everyone making this more than what it is, you know what probably happened? Somebody from the upper management was walking in the tunnel, probably, would I assume, and after the game they're upset and they go, We're not bringing him back under no circumstances. Like a heat of the moment thing. Because there's no way that I think an organization would say that to another player's face. Mm-hmm. Right. right? I just don't think that happens. No matter how much you hate somebody. Because you're devaluing that person. You don't want to do that. For me, I think he needs to go to a situation where he's around good vets. Right? He could get coached. He's going to have a role. Right? To just allow him to shoot all these shots and not be... I think he can be good... A team like San Antonio, I think it would be a great situation. A team like, honestly, I think Atlanta's 
would be a good situation for him personally. Mm. I think, uh, I so think, think also think coming off the, the bench. NBA. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I just think a team's going to bring him in and be like, listen, we want that attitude. We want less in the media. Less yeah. in the media, more in the locker room, more on the, like, we love what you do on the court, but like the antics get to be a bit much. The theatrics get to be a bit much. Which That's what gets you out of, the Yes. And which speaking of brings us back to the point you made at the very beginning when it comes to culture. Yeah. Those things are a part of a culture. And, and I thought too, after going down three, one. Yeah them doing their thing still before the game in the hallway, that video that went viral before game five. Yeah. It kind of speaks to uh, the immaturity, if you will. And I so say that don't t- respectfully, but, right? I like mean, the- your swag is your swag, right? Sorry right. to interrupt. And they, and they went out and they kicked, they kicked ass in game five. Exactly. It, but you can't stop. If you do something game one, your yep. routine is your routine. Get your guys hype, right? Yep. Do thick mm-hmm. and thin. You have to do that. But at some point, when you really need to lock in, you got to have a different – you can't be dancing all the time. Right. Right? Think yep. about any team that's won a chip. Do you see them dancing around like that? No. Not really. Yeah. When you guys went down 3-1, I didn't see you guys. <laughs> what? Fuck no. When you Who guys went down dancing? 3-1, shit changed. <laughs> we went down 1-0, oh, shit changed. Touche. <laughs> Touche. So, like, for yeah. me – I, keep things light during the regular season. The playoffs are different. Yeah. All that beady bopping. You could do that in a locker room, but yep. not everybody needs to do that. Not everybody needs to be a part of that because not yep. everybody focuses up the same way. Yeah. I respect and I think that, it, right? it also, it also trickles down and I think hits people differently too. When you're doing the things that are supposed to be non-negotiables, when you're totally. not talking to media, when you're not doing your responsibility, there's a lot that goes into it. Show, all of it's that, a right? bad showing. Yeah. It's a bad yes. showing, right? Like, mm-hmm. how quickly did Ja go, I said it, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Everyone goes, okay, cool, I get it. And it was like, yeah. it wasn't even a thing. You yeah. hiding and hiding, it's too late. You already said it. You already, you wanted that smoke, you got it. Yeah. Silence so for is me, also an answer. <laughs> it, yes. I do think he'll play in the league. I think there's teams that need his intensity and the... There's still time for him to get better. But I think somebody's going to bring him in with vets and they're going to be like, we like the idea of you. We want to mold this so that you have longevity, right? Look at like JaVale McGee, right? Was on Shaq and a Fool like 10 years in a row, goes to some winning teams. And now they're like, JaVale McGee, you need him to win. Yep. Like how quickly does that change? But JaVale wasn't into the media antics, but JaVale was on the, you know, was figuring mm-hmm. things out as a young man in the league. And I still think he's figuring things out as a young man in this league. Yeah. Um, all right. The, the latest news, uh, big news happened on Thursday. Uh, we talked about it last week on road trip in the bucks have moved on from Mike Boonholzer. Um, obviously Milwaukee was bounced from the eight seed there in the first round, a couple of questions here. And I want to kind of lay it out for you, um, Channing, cause I want to know in your mind, the best coaching fit for the bucks going forward. I also want to know where you think Coach Bud will end up. However, just some backing here. Um, on Get Up This Week, Brian Windhorst pointed out, we talked about it with Shams, I believe, the owner's sale of the Bucks in the middle of the season. Um, obviously, they fire Bud. Chris Middleton has a $40 million option this offseason. 
Yeah. So Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Jay Crowder, and Joe Ingles could all be unrestricted free agents this summer. The Bucks okay. already have over $94 million committed to Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Bobby Portis for next year. Wendy also went on to say, I think it's unlikely that Giannis extends his contract this summer, meaning Giannis does have two years remaining on his current current deal, but he could signal a move by not signing his extension this summer. What would you advise Giannis? Let's start there. What would you advise Giannis knowing all Chill, of you still got two more years. Chill, see who they bring in. And yeah. to me, uh, you know, I don't like seeing guys lose their job. But let's be real. Has any coach had more? And done less. And done less. It's just, it's hard for me to look at those Atlanta teams where you have five Mm all-stars year after year after year, and then they get drubbed year after year after year. Giannis drubbed. Giannis drubbed. The one year, almost they, they almost lost except for that toe. Think about that. They were booing him. They were booing Budenholzer as they were winning the game. And they lost. Mm-hmm. They would if they would have if KD had stepped back, they would have lost that. But they won the chip. So yes, congrats. Mm-hmm. But what did they win by? Was it coaching? No, it was Giannis going, I'm just stronger and bigger berserk. and better than you. And going <laughs> yeah. berserk, which is fine. So I'm not bashing him. What I am saying is, I don't know if that style equates to wins in the playoffs. His coaching style does not equate to wins in the playoffs. By wins meaning the fact that Giannis was a little hurt or didn't play, and I'm not taking anything away from the Miami Heat, but you're telling me the rest of that team couldn't win more than one game versus the Miami Heat? Where are the adjustments? Like, where are the encouragement for your other guys? Like, it just seemed like nobody knew how to play basketball. Mm-hmm. What? You have all this talent on your team. You can't in- incorporate Jay Crowder. Joe Ingles wasn't doing what I thought he'd be doing. Like, they just settled into a system. But if I'm honest, I don't take the, the extension. I for sure don't. I see what coach comes in. And for me, hey, listen, not everyone stays in the same place. What are your thoughts on Nick Nurse in Milwaukee? I kind of fuck with Nick Nurse heavy. Defensively, he's a savage. Mm-hmm. And you look at if Nick Nurse brings in his player development people, that's dirty. That is dirty. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see another level of Giannis in that defense and how they're used and moved around to where it's exciting and invigorating. Like, the, you know what the play was? Throw it over here, get it back, give Giannis in the middle, everyone stand, go, 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 bully, 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 bully. And Nick Nurse said championship pedigree, right? I think yeah. this year there was a lot of turmoil because whose team is it? Is it the young kids' team? Is it the vets' team, right? I don't know if that matched. So they were like, let's give this young team, this young kid, a new, a new lease on life. Yeah. So you bring in yeah. a new young coach. It'll be interesting. Um, all right. One final point for you before yep. we wrap this up. On Twitter this week, Patrick Beverly yep. was asked what percentage of NBA players don't love basketball. Pat Bev responded by saying 50% and I'm being nice. Is he right? 
Was it on Twitter or was it on it on his podcast? Either way. Pat Bev Pod. Uh it's hard for me to say that because there are guys who don't love basketball. That's a hard thing to quantify, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to quantify that because what what is the definition of that and how do you eye test that? So think about the guys who don't have any emotion. Do you think Kawhi Leonard loves basketball? Uh, see? But he I must. can see why people would say no. <laughs> right, exactly. Do you think Andrew Wiggins loves basketball? There, think about the guys who don't, and I'm just naming the two guys who are really good, who don't show any emotion for the most part. I think both those guys love basketball. I think. Did you love basketball? On and off, I did. My first year, it was hard. In New York, it was really, really hard. I really had to have conversations. After my parents died, I, I had to really figure out, I love being around my teammates more than I love basketball. I didn't, you know, I go to grief therapy or whatever, and I tell everybody this. I don't yeah. remember from January on to the finals, really. Like, if in my mind, I was just, yeah. There. I was just there. I loved basketball. Like, think about this. I Somebody told me I was going to die, and then I still tried to go play basketball. So, like, does that mean I love basketball? Probably, right? Yeah. But, like, I know guys that, love different parts of basketball. Some guys love the fact that they get to travel and see the world. And this is an opportunity. There are certain guys that love the competitiveness of it to challenge themselves. There are certain guys that love the craft of it and don't give a shit about winning or losing. So like, what is it about basketball? It's like somebody likes art. Like, Oh, what do you not love art? Well, what kind of art watercolors clay? There's music. There's, Dancing, what kind of art do you like? Basketball is an art. So you may love all different parts of it. I don't know if you're in the league and don't love some part of basketball. That's hard. You may be in the league one or two or three years, but after that, you out. It's a subconscious game. And you notice the guys who just are lethargic or lackluster is because when things get difficult and you don't really... And that thing about basketball you don't love doesn't come up in your heart and rev you up like Nas on Fast and Furious. Then, yeah, I, I just don't think – I don't know if those guys exist. A lot of them, 50% would probably be too much. I'd probably say 20. There are some guys that play for money, but they love the money. They love giving it to their family. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great answer. That's a great way to Thank end you. this podcast. Very candid. Confucius say – very legendary, like Lennox Thank would you. say. Oh my gosh. My um, all right, you're amazing. Scary. We'll see you next week. That's another edition of Roger. Mm-hmm.